This is I Don't Get It. Welcome to the Pop Culture Get Off My Lawn cast, friends. This features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which is that friendly neighborhood butcher who is burly, mustachioed, sweaty, and somehow covered with skin tags, making the prospect of getting oh, eaten come on, very you unattractive. You gotta get gross with these things. And, we might have listeners who've never heard us before, and they're like, that's it, I'm done. I'm moving on to another podcast. I you am joined. Be gross and make them afraid to eat cold cuts. As always, afraid, by this guy. <sighs> I am Noah Tarno. I run a real non-disgusting business. Uh, I am the <laughs> founder and senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events, and somehow, some way, friends with this other guy. You know, uh, it's funny, but the, the concept of a butcher wasn't really something that I frequented in New York, and not even when I grew up on Long Island, but I think that it here in, in the Netherlands and in Europe, like, that is, a, it's still a little bit of a station in society where, you know, you go to this person for a special reason, and it comes up more often right. than not. And uh, in, in a way, it's like, I don't need a ton of meat. But it is interesting that there is this specialist in these towns, even in small towns. They, they, they're they called slachters. And, um, you know, like people still think of them like it's like a milkman, which, of course, the milkman doesn't exist. Right. But the butcher still does. Isn't that, uh, isn't that unusual? Yeah. I mean, I don't know when that happened in the United States. There was a the town I grew up in, a small town in New Jersey. There was a butcher. I remember going there with my mother. Um, I'm sure it's gone. But yeah, like people just go to the supermarket now. I remember that butcher. I could show you where in the town it was if I went back there now. Yeah. And I remember for some reason, I mean, maybe my memory is flawed. He had hanging on the wall like a pig mask, like a mask that, you know, like a horror character would wear or something of a pig. And it gave me nightmares. That's even, it sounds just creepy hearing about it now. As, as, yeah, as it a sounds full-grown horrifying. Adult. Yeah, I mean, I could be remembering this completely wrong. It could be I had a dream where there was a pig mask on the wall. But for some reason, I imagine that butcher, I think of the pig mask on the wall freaking me out. Jesus. But uh, any any fellow people who grew up in South Orange, New Jersey in the 1980s, do you remember the butcher on the corner of whatever street that was? It was like the edge of a little mini mall there. I'm being very helpful here. Anyway, if you remember a pig mask, please let us know on Twitter or in, you know, by email. You sure it wasn't Satriales? Sure, sure You're not talking about Satriales? Satriales, no, no, no. Well, that. You always got to turn it back to The Sopranos, my this friend. Is the, this is the last time, uh, it'd be a long time before I eat at Satriales Pork Store again. But they didn't call it a butcher. They called it a pork store. Which That's I just true. Think is hilarious. Right. That is like to, to go all in on just one pe- one species of animal and yeah, one cut pork. of meat. I know. And uh, if, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you of think, course, growing up, my family, we didn't keep kosher, but we didn't eat pork. So. Right. We would not have gone to a butcher known as a pork store because they wouldn't have, you know, my mom would get chicken and beef, not pork, right? Do you think so? A guy would walk in there and he says, hey, can I get some ground round? And and like the Satriali, whoever, old man Satriali would like point at the door and say, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, we don't we don't serve that kind of crap. Here. Yeah, well, like, What's yeah I mean, do you ever see in the Sopranos confirmation of them eating something other than pork. I no, really you know, to be honest, to what there, they're eating. there's a lot of mortadelle. There's a lot of supersat. There's a, like the, all the stuff that they show them eating at, at Satriales looks incredible. I mean, that's it's really hard yes. watching the Sopranos because it's like, oh, man. Other than the back room of Satriales, it's like up front that all those cocoats look insane. They look great. Yeah. 
Anyway, welcome to the 8 Billion Sopranos podcast on the internet. <laughs> the Sopranos. We, we found a niche that no other Sopranos podcast found. The product <laughs> served at the Satria, at Satrialis. Once we finish, go episode by episode. Once we finish this, we will talk about the strippers at the bottom big. And well, that'll, be a, that'll be a big hit among our community. No, speaking of pork products, uh, our yes, topic this pork, week. Well, meat, cloudy and a chance of meatballs. Uh, that's uh, true. There's tangential to what we're talking about, right? Yeah, which I have not seen. Uh, yes, but our, our topic this week, we are discussing a, a movie hot of the moment. Um, I believe it is a Netflix original made by Sony Pictures mm, Studio Animation yeah. Syndicate uh, what, conglomerate. Wait, 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 wait. Does it count? I thought a Netflix original meant like Netflix produced it. This film was supposed to come out in theaters. And they bought it. Yeah, Netflix and bought it as distro. pandemic distra. hit, yeah. right. And then Sony picture. And then when the pandemic hit, pandemic hit, they said, fuck this. And they sold it to Netflix instead. Does yeah. that count as a Netflix original? I don't believe so. Uh, no, in this case, you're right. This would just be Netflix's okay. distro. Yeah. I, oh. I win, you lose. Good. Yeah, I, I hope you feel better about this because, you know, I you can. I feel great. For the rest great. of the podcast, yeah, your endorphins could, could, yeah. could rocket you to totally. the next level. My, my weekend is made, my friend. So the Mitchells versus the Machines, uh, or as Noah, our movie trivia team uh, this week called ourselves Robert Mitchum versus the Machine, because uh, <laughs> we're good. Li- we're good like that. <laughs> so glad you can enjoy that. I'm sorry, those stupid trivia team names have yeah, very little right? power to amuse me anymore. But that's a good one. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so the Mitchells versus Florence and the Machine is a feature length. <laughs> Robert Mitchum versus Florence and the Machine <laughs> to the death. I want to see that. <laughs> like Battle Bots or uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Thunderdome. So yeah. this is a uh, feature length animated movie, and and I'm guessing if you listen to this, you might have actually watched it already because it's kind of been a little bit of a, a runaway hit. It's a very, very well received movie at the moment, which is why we're talking about it because this is this is the weekend. It's going to have some heat on it before it goes away and cools down. So this is produced by Sony, which right now has a bit of a hot hands. Sony made uh, Into the Spider-Verse a few years ago, which was like a world beater, which, no, I must say, I, I still have not watched Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, it's very, uh, very I know, it's very, yeah, you know what? I, talk, I, about, I, talk about good animation and just a good story and good superhero stuff, yeah. Well, this, it was produced by the by Lord and Miller, the same yeah. Same right. production duo, right? Yeah. yeah, you all know them. Everyone Wait, was knows. it directed by one of them? No, no, no. The Lord Miller at this point, okay. they had not made their own movie in, a, in quite a while. They've been um, hot-handing things as a producer. They've been giving over right. the wheel to a lot of other people who are directing feature films in this um, you know, feature-length animation space that haven't gotten a chance to do it before. Um, I think the last movie they might have done, believe it or not, is uh, the Lego movie. Uh, it's been a little while since they've really? been in the game, but yeah, and because they, they directed, they directed Twenty One Jump Street live action. But that was like what six years ago, five years was that ago. Before, I mean, uh, yeah. a Lego Movie, I believe, was two thousand fourteen. Yeah, I don't so, think they, I don't think they directed the second Twenty One Jump Street, uh, Twenty Two. They Jump directed Street. Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. It was two thousand nine. Yeah. Lego Movie fourteen. Twenty One Jump Street twelve. Uh-huh. Twenty Two Jump Street fourteen. Okay. And that's it. And that I, I believe that that's it for directing. Yes. Well, remember they were supposed to do the yeah. solo movie for Disney, and then they got canned. So that that took up a lot of their really? time. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, these guys have produced it. But the uh, the team of this thing is uh, these guys, Mike Rianda and Jeff Rowe, who do this show called Gravity Falls, which is very highly recommended. Uh, if you, I watched an episode, it didn't really do much for me, but people love this show. It, I think it was. Um, 
That was a Disney Channel. Maybe it was Disney Channel. Maybe it's Nickelodeon. One of the obviously there's only two yeah. places. Uh, Disney been. Channel. Gravity Falls. Gravity, Gravity Falls. Gravity Kills. Gravity. Gravity Kills. Gravity yeah. Uh, Machete Kills. The sequel. So um, yeah. yeah, this show people love this show, and uh, like these are exactly the kind of guys you're gonna. Because they had a, a proven track record on on TV doing the, the half hour episodic format of of uh, animation, and so. This is their big shot at doing fully CG type environments because I think Gravity Falls looked more like traditional uh, hand-drawn animation. Whether it was or not, it had that style. But this has that. This looks like Spider-Verse. This looks like that same cartoony body style, very well rendered, very well animated, no holes in the in the shape. Um, so the concept here is that a, 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 dis, a one single dysfunctional family from Michigan uh, who happened to be road tripping to California to drop off their eldest daughter, Katie. I guess their only daughter, Katie, eldest of two right. children. They are the only unapprehended humans who can stop the robot apocalypse on planet Earth. Right. Uh, but right. provided they could just smooth out their own interpersonal differences, which, you know, I mean, in this case, have a lot of very movie-y movie and, and fiction-y and TV-y type tropes. Um, you know, there's some tensions inside the family based on generations and people unwilling or unable to see each other's needs and personalities, things like that. Uh, the principals in this story are daughter Katie, who's voiced by Abby Jacobson, who you will know as um, Abby on uh, Broad City, uh, which was one of my favorite shows for a good number of years. I think they did three, four yeah. seasons. Yeah, it's incredible. You, you, you know my issues with Broad City, right? Sure, sure. Uh, no, no comment beyond that. Yes. Uh, the son, the younger son, Aaron, a dinosaur f- freak who's actually voiced by the director, Arianda, uh, Rianda, not Arianda, but Rianda himself. I'm getting confused with uh, Nina Arianda. It's different, different thing altogether. Uh, the mother, Linda, who's voiced by Maya Rudolph, who you all know, Saturday Night Live alum. Uh, she's been in a ton of comedy movies. She's got her own brand as her own thing. And the dad, of course. Ka- Ka- Kamala Harris impersonator. Kamala Harris impersonator. Yeah, yeah. I believe they, they bring her back on SNL yes. with some regularity to play the vice president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the dad is named Rick and is played by Danny McBride, who is, uh, I don't know, well-known, infamously known as the uh, guy who worked on the Foot Fist Way and a bunch of other movies of that ilk where he plays a sort of arrested southern shit kicker kind of guy. Danny McBride has a lane. Let's just put it that way. If you know who he is, yeah, and you know, Amanda, you know who I'm talking about here. Uh, People know, people know uh, Danny McBride. So, you know, your mileage may vary with this guy. Um, There's also another uh, creature in the car, a pug dog named Manchi, who I believe was actually voiced by, uh, they credited. Yes, by, by, by uh, Doug the Pug, something, a real life internet famous dog. Yeah. All right, so they yeah. obviously made it very interesting. A big yeah. sound library. They, they took the time to record the dog panting and barking and whatnot. Yeah. To uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was very clever. It was. No, it's very cute. It's very cute. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, a new brand of robot who looks a lot like a walking iPhone has become sentient, sentient and angry at their creator, um, spurred by an OS uh, voiced by um, Oct- uh, Olivia. I was going to say Octavia. Olivia Coleman, our favorite British actor, who has been on a hot streak of all hot streaks recently, which is pretty cool. Um, so all the humans are to be captured and fired away on gigantic arcs, you know, denuding the planet of human life. And that is her revenge. Uh, so in spite of this apocalypse scenario, this is, of course, a quite lighthearted and totally appropriate for children. I would say, I don't know, this this may be where I, I, I fuck up here. Ten, ten and up, Noah? No, uh, I mean, my niece just turned eight and she washed it. And I think she, I mean, I was told she enjoyed it. Okay. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I'm biased towards smart kids. I feel like six and all. Okay. All right. See, so, I said this last time, and I think I got it completely wrong on some animated feature yeah. we talked about, but or a TV show. Maybe it was Bluey I was thinking of. I don't know. No, Bluey. Bluey's much younger. It is much younger, yeah. Bluey's like three and up, right. but okay. Sorry, so no one gets hurt, but there are a lot of lasers, shooting, and crashing, explosions. There's, there's, some, there's some explosions and yeah, yeah, violence yeah, 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 yeah. action no, kind right, of stuff, right. but whatever. I think it's handled in a very smart, you know way that a kid with a brain can handle yeah, and and, and this, in the end it's nullified by kind of goofy humor um and you know some bona fides if you're looking for them if they matter this has got this is clearing 81 percent on metacritic and 97 percent on rotten tomatoes um so wow. it's kind of yeah, kind of a world beater it's right now it's almost as good yeah. as citizen kane no almost as good almost as good as paddington too oh you forgot former i don't get it topic eric andre yes has a supporting role as the i mean he, he, he's the tech genius who unfortunately made all this happen. And I read a reference Zuckerberg-like, but his persona seems very un-Zuckerberg. He's bro He's much more, much, much bro-ier and much he's more... He's bro yeah. yeah. He's African-American, for one thing. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's bro and he's funny. He's, he's, a, he's a humorous character, even though he keeps saying, I destroyed the world, you know, yeah. but... Um, Eric Andre, I think, does a very good job. As, you know, so. so, Noah, as a man in touch with the uh, children, the youth today, yeah, and I, yes, I'm, 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 I'm up there with the kids. I know all their slang. You're, you're down with the kids. What did you think of um, down? As the kids would say, I get down with a funk. What did you think of uh, the uh, the Mitchells versus Charlie Sheen? <laughs> okay, uh, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I thought this was a well made movie. I thought that the animation was excellent, just superb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the plot was very solidly written. You know, it had a, a lot of twists and turns that I didn't see coming. It, you know, kept me engaged the whole time. The dialogue was energetic. Uh, jokes worked. I laughed out loud multiple times. Characters are likable, well sketched out. A lot of imaginative imagery. Action scenes, great. Really well designed. Um, again, the jokes are really solid. There is a lot to like here. This is a very good movie. Um, it felt very attuned to our times. I read I read a couple articles about this and they pointed this out. Um, so Katie, who's essentially the protagonist, is on her way to film school in California, and she, you know, they show some like she made movies on her own. She did a whole series with the Pug where he's a cop. She does animation on her own, and they kind of use these kind of animated filigrees over the base animation. That's a good term, by you the know, way. Kind Very of good term. Junky, yeah, thank you. Junky kind of drawings and. And they, they play with, uh, you know, the equivalent of Snapchat filters. And I thought that was very clever. Um, this movie is is living in the tech world as it emerges. Uh, I read one article that kind of hit it on how this movie regards tech. I'll get to that in a minute. I think it does a... Well, yes, I think this movie sits on the fence in terms of criticizing or lionizing tech. But I think it does a good job of sitting on the fence. You know, there is some... Slightly pointed criticism. The Eric Andre character, the Zuckerberg guy, says, you know, who would have thought, you know, giving away everyone's private data would have negative consequences? Ha ha ha. But then there are also moments where, you know, there's a big conflict between Katie and her dad. Her dad's a Luddite, you know, barely knows how to use a computer, right? He he thinks sending a friend request is sending a letter in the mail that says, please be my friend on the internet. And they make a lot of hay of that difference. And there's one line that stands out where they're on their trip and she's in her phone, like filming it. And the dad says like, why are you on your phone? Don't you want to, you know, put down your phone and experience it? And she says, this is how I experience it, which I think is a, you know, whether you like it or not is a valid point. Um, 
So I think it's very much of our time without completely absolving tech of its sins. So, you know, I, I can see a valid criticism as it doesn't go deep enough and it's, it's criticism is weak sauce, but it worked for me. By the way, complete side note, another great performance, another favorite actor of mine, the, the pal, the fake Siri that starts the apocalypse is voiced by Olivia Coleman, who yeah. is, I am in love with after she played the queen on the crown. Um, so that's what I liked about it. Get ready for the criticisms. People came uh, for you. They came I, here for this. Don't worry. Right. Yes. I found a, much of the plot to be sentimental in a very off-putting way. Uh, you know, as I said, there's the central conflict between Katie and her dad. You know, he doesn't really understand her. And she's, you know, like all 17-year-olds, she's growing up. And I thought it was a little too schmaltzy for my taste, especially... I know it's a movie. I know it's a comedy. I know it's a kid's movie. I know it's a cartoon, blah, blah, blah. But like the world is ending and they're talking about their emotions in this very cheesy way. And that it just did not work for me. I don't know what a better way to do that would be without making it a horror movie, but it just, it didn't land. Um, and then here's the criticism that my nephews had. It was exactly my main criticism. They are called a Netflix copy for this. They're like, the, oh, the only hope for humanity is the world's weirdest family. And they're always talking about how they're a weird family and a dysfunctional family. I thought this family was very unweird. I did not think they were particularly weird at all. Uh, they felt very typical to me. Mom, dad, two kids, suburban house. She's going to college. He's in the dinosaurs. He's, he's scared of girls because he's like 12. She's excited to, you know, she's in this between a kid, not yet an adult kind of, I need to find my people. My parents don't understand me. I, I mean, that's as typical as you get, or at least as stereotypical as you get, right? It, 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 there, there's, there's almost nothing remarkable about this family. And that is a Hollywood tick I really despise. Thinking the slightest, you know, the fact that she's, she doesn't dress ultra feminine, makes her a weirdo. Like the fact that he doesn't know how to use a computer makes him a weirdo. Like it's a cousin to the manic pixie dream girl, right? This idea that like, oh, she eats spicy food. She's crazy. Like <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just this closed minded Hollywoodness that drives me insane. I tweeted about this. You retweeted this. Yes. Yes. And apparently when the, the studio, when they were going to release it in the theater, so so the, the directors wanted to call it the Mitchells versus the Machines. The studio retitled it Connected. Can you, can you think of a lamer... Sorry, I, I'm trying not to use that word. Can you think of a weaker title for this movie than Connected? Yeah, it's, and then it's when they sold studio it, overthink, sure. Right. And then when they sold it to Netflix, uh, the director said, hey, you know, we don't like Connected. We like the Mitchells versus the Machines better. Netflix went, yeah, you're right. So it went back to the Mitchells versus the Machines. So that's just the holly calling this family the weirdest family. Just like, man, you live in a bubble if you think this is weird. <laughs> so that 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 irritated me. It irritated me because whatever, I like this family. I just don't think they're that weird. Finally, this movie has a label on Netflix. Apparently, a collection of films and TV shows in Netflix that are labeled with the words "representation matters." And I found an article online that said the Mitchells versus the Machines does queer characters the way it should. Katie is 
not straight. She is lesbian, queer, they never really define it. This is established in two very small ways. One, throughout the film, she's wearing a pride, pla- pride flag pin. Two, at the very end, okay. there's a comment that she has a girlfriend. Are you bringing her home for Thanksgiving? I'm just making sure that that, that was it. it. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything else because it was narrow. I, I, right. I, maybe I missed something, but as far as I could tell, that was it. Yeah. And I call bullshit. First of all, I've worn a pride flag button and I'm not queer. I'm an ally. Wearing that button does not mean you're queer. And it does jack shit for representation. Yeah, great. We need fun, exciting, interesting heroes who are queer. We need characters who are not all about their queerness. It's not a constant topic of conversation. I agree. But I feel like a queer teenager isn't going to get that from her. I know plenty of girls with Katie's style, Katie's attitude, who look like Katie, and a lot of them are straight. Just looking like that, not being ultra feminine, being into like drawing and art and animation and wearing a pride flag pin, that does, I don't know, in my opinion, that does nothing for representation. And that line in the end was very easy to miss. There are a thousand ways they could have done it while still being subtle. Hey, Dad, you don't understand me. You were cool when I came out to you. Done. Just establishing that she's queer earlier on. Or, uh, you know, I got a crush on this female celebrity. Or... You know, she's cute, or I, she keeps talking about how she's excited to get to film school. Find my people, find my people. Hey, maybe I'll even find a girlfriend. Done, right? You could have done something like that. I thought that was weak. I think this is not the way to do representation. She's a great character. She's a hero. Yes, we need queer heroes like that. But they, they chick, I don't want to say chickened out, but they completely dropped the ball when it came to establishing that she's queer. So I, I don't I don't buy that. But that's it, you know. Eighty percent. This is a this was a very good movie. Yeah, you know, I I, I agree. It's very well made. Um, considering I have not seen the Spider Man movie, I I did not see uh, Cloudy with a oh, Chance of Balls. Well, you know, I'll get there at some point. <laughs> That's but the porn version. It is the porn version. Um, yeah, th- yeah, this there there are visually there's no holes. This is everything you've ever wanted an animation to be. Uh, it's lush. It is uh, well made. There's mostly. Uh, this actually, this this is this is going to go to one of my criticisms. I said there's mostly always something happening on the screen you want to see, but I think at at two hours or at least what is it? It's a buck fifty. This movie is overstuffed yeah. by about by about fifteen to twenty minutes. Where uh, there's a maybe. lot of. I thought the plot had a lot of twists and turns. It, maybe really... maybe too many twists and turns. It, this could have been simpler. Right. Especially, I, I, but I, I thought it gave value to that time. But okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I think, and like I will agree that it 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 is so sentimental. Like the the movie is about the movie is about this. Um, first of all, it's a four quadrant movie. It really is, but it's a very well done four quadrant movie, where it is about everything that could ever happen to anybody on planet Earth at any point in their life. <laughs> and you know, like that, it that's great, but it really bothers me in that it doesn't really pick a lane. It doesn't ever decide that it's going to be about something. It just says, "Oh, we're going to cover everything," and hopefully, it sticks. Um, and, it, you know, they win, it, you know, and, and some of this is it's hard for me to look at this as a, you know, 45 year man, 45 year old guy and think about, well, how would I feel about this if I was 12? You know, and I was a voracious consumer of animation. Of course, the animation when we were kids both looked and behaved differently. It served a different purpose. People yeah. were not going to animated movies other than the Disney ones, I should say. Well, that wasn't that, but that wasn't, was that was a revolution when we were like 13. Yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. And the Beast came out. Or Little Mermaid. What was the first one? Well, we were 15, 14, 15, 89. It was, um, 89 was, uh, Beating the Beast was the first yeah. one of those, I think. Yeah. 
Um, I still remember something I read about. I mean, this is well before that. They said Saturday morning cartoons are proof that adults hate children. Yeah, and those are those are Hanna Barbera shows. That wasn't. Yeah, but you know the pro- the problem is is they that they do when, not hold up. Right when 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 Disney pivoted to doing uh, lush, uh, you know Clement and Musker, Alan Menken themed animation, it was all about princesses. I mean, they smartly picked a lane, and the lane was very exclusive to young girls, and that's why I loved Aladdin. Loved it. Hey, I, 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 I don't care about it. And I mean, I've seen them all. I've seen them all as an adult. And I again, I can appreciate they're not they're not those are not four quadrant movies. Those are movies really for young girls. And it's great. But in, in a way, it's like it's more honest because those movies are shooting right between the eyes. They're trying to hit one person and, and they win lifelong fans. Disney, that whole generation of Disney fans, they went out for fucking lunch for years on that stuff. It wasn't until you get to like what was it, Hercules or Pocahontas, where that stuff starts to run aground a little bit. But their run up until that point was magical. Um, you know, but th- this movie is opposite because it's like it is trying to be all things for all people. And it doesn't win. You don't win me over that way. Um, like you say, it's really sentimental ultimately. And yes, the question is, other than making it a horror movie like a Zack Snyder film, how would you how would you have the stakes of this thing, but also not nullify it or try to, you know, negate it by making it a being about the people in the car talking about their feelings and how they don't get along inside the apocalypse? I mean, you know, no one's asking me, but it could just very simply be that this is a localized event, that they just have to sort of maybe get out of town or save their lives. It's not a worldwide thing, which is, you know, like in the commercial, they say this is the robot apocalypse. This is the apocalypse, like to set the stakes. It's got to be bigger than anything has ever done before. They, they literally say, but again, it's a comedy, literally say that that family are the only humans left on Earth. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. <laughs> Which is insane, but it, you know, whatever. The movie's insane. It's fine. Yeah, you it's can, fine. I can but, buy that. It's just, why are they talking about it? They're talking about that shit a little too much for my case. It is. And it's like, I even when I was that age, I honestly didn't want four-quadrant animation. And uh, I knew when I was getting it. I knew when they were trying to give it to me, and I, I rejected it. I mean, we'll get to that question. We'll kick it down later on. Um. It's not just a matter of watching cartoons when I was twelve years old. It's a matter of watching cartoons now when I'm when I'm forty five. Um, I mean, the the bits and pieces, like I said, Olivia Coleman is great. The, you know, the fact that she's still sucking up these roles after the Oscar win for for the favorite. You know, I was going to say you said she played the queen in the crown, but it's like she played the queen in a number of things and won a number of big awards. Because yeah, of I, them. the only thing I know her from is the crown, and I love the crown. And the favorite, and the favorite. Her. I didn't watch the Crown, I but never the fa- saw that. favorite's insane. She's a, she is. You got to watch the Crown. The Crown is great. Yeah, and she's in the Father, uh, which of course won Best Actor at the Oscars a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, uh, this is something. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary, which I keep saying on this show over and over again. But the the voice talent in this movie is um, really that kind of cool click of Hollywood actor. If you're friends of friends of friends with all this like inside baseball, like. These are the people you're going to hear. You know, you got you got Maya Rudolph, who's as, as much an LA insider as anybody. Um, she she shows up for all these things because I guess people just decided she's great. I like her. I don't think she's as good as she thinks she is, but I you know I don't think she's good for everything. But they can't. <laughs> you don't know what goes on in her head. She might have crippling imposter syndrome. She doesn't act. She doesn't act like it. That's what I'm saying. Danny McBride is a guy. Well, a lot of people in Hollywood fake it till they make it. Danny McBride has a very very reedy thin instrument where he plays a lot of like aggressively uh, 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 machismo, active, aggro 
douchebags and he's made an entire career out of playing that one type of guy all the different flavors of of, of that person but no more <laughs> than that one guy for his entire career strike while the iron's hot collect the money while no you can. it's true but he's been he's been at it now he's one bit He's been at it now for about 13 years or so, and it's like, I'm surprised he's gotten this much mileage out of it. You know, like uh, Fred Armisen and Beck Bennett from from both those guys. Beck, Beck's still on Saturday Night Live. Fred was a, a an alum of, of Saturday Night Live. Like, Beck Bennett is one of those guys where he's, you know, he did the the, main, the voice of the main robot. You wind up hearing mostly through the movie. Right. And I really don't like whatever he's got going on. I don't know why. It's just, it's, I have an irrational dislike. I just don't buy it. It always sounds like Smarm. Everything he does on the TV show sounds like Smarm, and it really? sounds like Smarm. I love, I love him on SNL. There's a sketch that he did years ago that I've been obsessed with lately. Have you ever seen, I forget what it's called, it's a fake ad for the Undercover Potty, I think it's called? No. I mean, I saw it, but I forgot. Oh, my God. Basically, it's... Hey, if you need to go to the bathroom in the office, this lamp has a secret place where you go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And the ad spins into this insane thing. It's it's worth watching. Okay. I think it's called Undercover Potty, something like that. But he and I think he wrote it too. He is hysterical. Oh, it's well, really the, good. It's rare anyway, because I don't I, think I, I highly recommend it. No, oh, and and finally, I'll say this is like you know again, I'm a huge fan of Broad City, but I I didn't come away from Broad City thinking that Abby Jacobson was going to have a, an enormous career in voiceover because Abby Jacobson, for as funny as she was on that show, and I saw her live uh, when when Broad City used to do their thing at the UCB, uh, their show was great. I mean, it was almost the, the apotheosis of the way it was supposed to be. And not that their TV show again was also great, but then their their live thing was something else, feeding off the crowd. But like her her voice performance, she doesn't really have too many modes. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm not really sure she was the greatest choice for the lead. I, I appreciate that they're going out of the box with somebody who does not have a ton of feature film experience outside of that. She's she's a buzzy choice still. But I don't know if she really did much to give a lot of uh, voice variation. And, you know, those things matter. But, you know, this is one of those things like Pixar, for instance, may may put a lot of like you may get the the, the Ellison Jannies and, and the J.K. Simmons doing roles. But Pixar still gives um, obscure actors the right actors for the part. They still give them the roles. Uh, and and Sony and, and DreamWorks and those other studios will still cast for, for wattage. They'll still cast for heat. And that's not a best way. That's really not a good way to do voiceover because a, 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 an okay actor on screen does does not equal a great yeah. voiceover actor. And I I yeah I remember fifteen or twenty years ago when uh, The Incredibles came out, really appreciating that it wasn't an all star cast. And I think slightly before that, I remember when Shrek came out thinking it was really sad we're now at this moment where they're going to cast you know an ad on tv that really kind of made me sad that literally had footage of mike myers and eddie murphy standing at the microphone reading the lines and i'm like are we at a point where cartoons are also going to be about star power and i just think that's really kind of sad and it 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 it, uh again it's hollywood devaluing the intelligence of the consumer which you know that's how you get dumb people you treat them dumb look out robots because we're brave we're hungry for action and we're strapped in for success and we have no idea what we're doing so bill why why is this a hit 
Uh, Noah, for the moment, we are still indoors, so far as I know. I think we are slowly thawing and, and you know, mandates of, in terms of movie theaters. Actually, I've, I've heard from some people, they say that somebody went to go see the Zack Snyder zombie movie that came out. There were still only eight people in the theater, so it's not entirely, uh, you know, hell's a poppin' just yet. So while this stuff is still available at home, it's still the optimal way to see it, especially for the audience that this is aiming at. But, I mean, th- look, make no mistake. This movie is the main event, right? This is, and, and uh, um, I mean, last year you had Soul came out, you had Onward. Uh, there was, what was it, Sonic came out. Sonic was the big animated movie before we went to, into pandemic. But there was a couple of big family movies that came out just like, that's the thing. They're going to make their money off these gigantic um battleships you know and that's that's why this is crazy so this movie has everything you could ever want that's part of the point you know i'm complaining about the fact that it's it's got this um, scattershot technique where it's shooting for every single uh, quadrant you know that's the problem for me but it's about everything in the human condition you know it is a perfectly crafted four quadrant animated studio project you know and i think a little bit of what you're saying safe too safe, very safe, kind of safe for, for just about every age where you can make a movie that is about what you'd say, you know, in the, they say this is the only family on earth not in captivity and there's an alien, you know, a, a robot apocalypse and yet there's still very little sense of danger or, or you know, I mean, again, I can't, I can't kick them for that. It doesn't really cement the deal for me uh, and that's kind of the problem. But I mean, it, it, I think the reasons why it's popular seem like they're evident in the way, you know, feature films sort of culture spanning things are popular yeah i mean this hits all the bases uh it's the age of animation it's well done uh you got the marketing machine you know as we always say something's big because it's big because the people who have the power told us it would be big uh but also this is good so it'll catch on is right? it a market no is, is it a studio plant what <laughs> <laughs> like olivia Rigby. Like by the way my dad has started listening to our podcast uh-huh with some regularity. And he says to me last night on our Zoom call, he goes, hey, that your new episode about Olivia Rodriguez, she's going to be on SNL this weekend. And I'm like, yeah, dad, that's partly why we talked about her. Like, <laughs> I loved you. Like, oh, my God. I loved you. Someone new epi- else is talking about I, this thing you're talking about. I loved your new episode on Paul Rodriguez. That was great, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he's got this idea that like, oh, my God, like, you're actually you actually picked a topic that's popular. Just gonna be on SNL. How did you work that? Um, look, Sony, Netflix, uh, people who did Spider Man and the Lego Movie. Like, how is it not gonna be shoved down our throats? And then when it's actually good, you know, of course people are gonna latch onto it. So of course. Uh, also, I think. Um, look, I said the way it it sits on the fence in terms of the tech criticism. I think is good. You know, it's not, oh, they're trying to have both ways. They suck. I think, all right, this works in terms of trying to have it both ways. And it's a lot of what people want to hear, right? And hey, you want to to say that my praise of it is me, you know, what I want to hear? That is fair. Uh, They want to hear, oh, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, but I'm not going to delete Facebook. I'm still going to use it. Uh, So they they want this kind of, I know it sucks, but it's okay to do it anyway, because that's life which I think is, you know, might be the right conclusion, but there's a lot of problems with that. So I think in some ways it affirms a lot of uh, what what we want the truth to be. We, we want to know it sucks, but have license to do it anyway. So there you go. So yeah, this is, you know, I'm not as industry-minded as you are to say four quadrant, but 
you know, it covers all the bases, I guess, in layman's terms. I canceled your plane ticket to college. You what? Don't freak out. I know you're excited. We are going to drive you to school on a cross-country road trip as a family. Noah, uh, think on uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines and how you would have regarded it as a younger person. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I would have liked this. There's nothing about this that I wouldn't have appreciated as a child. You know, I would have said, yeah, it's well done. It's well animated. The story's good. You know, I usually when we get to this question on the show, I talk about what a moron I was when I was a kid. And... Um, I, I think that's, you know, a lot of my self-loathing coming through. I had good taste for a kid, you know, at least by the time I was 13 or 14. I mean, I look back at, like, the mixed the mixtapes I made when I was that age, and most of the songs are still goddamn awesome. So, you know, fair enough. I will say I would have always liked this movie. There's nothing about this movie that wouldn't have worked for me. So there you go. Oh, interesting. You know, my... my yeah. um. Uh, this, again, the main event thing, I, I picked the term main event because it really does feel like... Uh, as a kid, my eye drifted to what the popular thing was because it seemed like, well, that's the peak of culture. I mean, that's what that's what the conversation is going to be, and I certainly want to be in it. And there must be a reason why it's so important. I mean, that's how you, you know kids can be told very quickly what is important in culture, and that's why they watch things. But um, but on the other hand, my my taste in animation didn't remain what you call family friendly very long. I mean, after the after the Looney Tunes and then you know the GI Joe, the toy commercials of the '80s, which you know I watched for a long time and very fervently. You know, I graduated to anime and things like that, um, and I I I kind of wanted like dark and creepy um, animation. I mean, that's not just literally in terms of vision. But there's something, you know, I wanted that frisson of adulthood. I wanted that forbidden feeling that the Japanese cartoons like Akira and things like that were doing. And that's the first place I saw those things. I'm like, oh, my God, like animation could be this as well. It's not just Chuck Jones, like, you know, praise be to Chuck Jones. But you had things out there like Ralph Bakshi. And, and it's like I could I just like it always blew my mind that animation could be something darker and it could be legit storytelling that wasn't just you know, ducted at kids like a, like a fire hose or a vacuum, I guess, trying to get money from your family. Um, so yeah, Japan, J- Japanese animation really r- raised more questions than it answered in me. It felt sexy, dangerous, disobedient. Um, you know, and like the, the polished studio friendly, all things to all people uh, stuff kind of fell by the wayside. So I guess it's like after, after I'm 12 or so, uh, 13 at the latest probably because that's you know my my anim- what is it week weekday animated cartoons that when we get up from school or the si- saturday morning stuff my taste you know i'd really switched away from there i was reading too many comic books and saw the the vista on drawing and sort of created entertainment too much to stick with this very um you know which you know for lack of a better term it's kind of homogenous entertainment for f- that's family safe and that just that just wasn't going to buy me after a little while well well if it isn't quirky young teenage hero, Katie Mitchell. Put me down! I've got to save my family! i got to save my family! Everyone says that, but no one has been able to give me a single reason humans are worth saving. Well, you... Don't say something stupid like, Ooh, the power of love. <laughs> Is the success, the existence of the Mitchells versus the Machines, which, by the way we should tell you, is fiction. The story is fiction. The story did not happen. <laughs> All right? The, is, the PAL tech true. company did not create something that took this over is, the world. This is not almost, the truth that sorry, they're trying to keep almost from just, you. Yes. Spoiler alert, humanity isn't destroyed at the end of the movie. The Mitchell saved the day. <laughs> uh, which, you know, I don't think is much of a spoiler. But, 
I'm sitting there going, all right, they can't kill everyone. So like, how does this, you know, I, I, I know the Mitchells will get a happy ending, but humanity has to get a happy ending. And of course they do. So this is fiction. But uh, is there anything about this phenomenon that augurs the apocalypse? Well, I think you described real me- non-fictional. Right, I think you described me a little earlier as saying market-minded or so, something like that. Of, of like looking at the at, the attitudes that inform the people who make these things, and how they sell it, and what they you know what we're going to see in the future. But well, I mean, simple answer is no. Clearly not a sign of the apocalypse because it's very well-made things. I mean, not that they can't be insidious, but this is definitely not something well-made and insidious. This this doesn't fall into that category. But, I mean, uh, again, this is a sign that the other bigs can, can seriously take on Disney Pixar on their home court. Not that we haven't had evidence of that so far, because, I mean, DreamWorks played a very solid game for a long time. And I feel like everything DreamWorks has come out with the, the, the what is it, Despicable Me and... and, and uh, they did no, the- that was... Uh, Despicable Me was imag- Imagination. Or imagine, imagine. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, but then yeah, what, what, what's it called? People never talk about that name, but they're well, like the yeah, one no, of the biggest ones. It's a, well, it's a French studio. Yeah, it's a French studio. Um, but there's also yeah, but I mean, Studio Ghibli put stuff out, but like that, you know, like that's that's the Miyazaki thing. But they're not really you know world beaters over here. Illumination, uh, but, illumination, illumination. Okay, and then distributed um, by Universal, Despicable Me, Minions, all that. Yeah, the Madagascars are in there too. Like yeah. that, all that whole thing. And, and then Madagascar was, is DreamWorks. Yeah, Secret Life of Pets. I think you get very confused here, my friend. I am, I am. But I'm saying it's like for the most part, though. Like, look, Disney had a head start of like 25, 30 years. Actually, I guess fifty years before somebody really tried to do anything about it. Uh, but but it's like they had. Well, no, there I was think, there was in the eighties. Remember, there was Don Bluth. He did like all dogs go to heaven. Yeah, and I was like, wait, it's a cartoon movie that's not Disney. It was I know, but it was sh- it was short lived. He did like, American Tale too, right? Yeah, yeah, he did five five old. But I mean, that, you're talking about those are very very um, that 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 was a finite moment, and and it didn't really punch Disney's weight class. And it, again, it took Disney being on the ropes for a while because Disney was putting out garbage around that. You pretty much had the Rescuers Down Under and the Great Mouse Detective and things like that at the time. Uh, but it. You know, like these guys, Sony really said, "Hey, we we want to make this, you know, for real." Um, you know, that it it just can't always be. You know, Frozen was, a you know, a, a rocket that came out of nowhere that was, you know, just ruled the world. It's and to some degree, it still is. I don't understand Frozen's staying power, but there's two of them, and this, you know, the second Frozen only came out in 2019. You know, and and that is a movie and a franchise that still means more to most people than any of these things ever will. You know, people are kids are growing up with Frozen as like you know that's part. It's been imprinted on their DNA like they were replicants from from Blade Runner. It's amazing. <laughs> but I mean, no, I I if you can chip away at the mouse as much as I enjoy a lot of their output in their theme parks, you know, Disney is going to grab that princess lane. That that is their core business. That's their core competency. That does nothing for me. I get it, uh, and you know, a place like Sony is going to run around and grab all the other little bits and pieces of genre. They're doing a lot of this sort of action stuff, this very safe, imaginative action stuff, and they're getting guys like uh, you know Rianda and Roe, and they're giving Lord Miller to produce. Disney will not ask Lord Miller to produce things because they're going to make something that won't be Disney branded. But I mean, Sony doesn't really have a brand. Sony gets to say, "Hey, we're Sony. We're you know, we're an afterthought because most of our money comes from video game consoles and TVs." Anything entertainment-wise, if you remember Sony, it's going to be because of the fucking hack from North Korea where you heard, um, you know, the studio the studio head talking about how fat their actresses are in private emails and things like that. 
right? Oh no, she she was uh, she was fucking with Angelina Jolie. That's what that's what it was. It was some real real dirt. Yeah. So no, I don't think I don't think I don't it's care. a sign of the apocalypse. I don't either. I feel like this is reaching to find something. I, I mean, again, I'll get back to the. I think there is a valid criticism to say it, it whitewashes a lot of the dangers of tech apocalypse. It brings them up and then tamps them down. Don't worry about tech apocalypse. A spunky, wacky family from Michigan will will always protect us if worse comes to worse. Uh, but know that it it brings up valid criticisms and then and then diffuses them. Uh, I I I think it does a good job of that. You might disagree and. Yeah, so maybe maybe that it's making a joke of a real possible apocalypse. That might be one way, you know, uh, in making people immune to actually paying attention to a threat. But I think that's a bit of a reach. Fuck the machine. Fuck the machine. Fuck the machine. All right, Noah, the back half of the show, we're bringing it on home. Tell yeah. me about, tell me about yeah. jealousy, buddy. I want to hear about your yes. uh, feelings of jealousy here. So here, here's how I'm jealous. I never wanted to be an animator. I never wanted to go to film school. I never wanted to save the world from a robot apocalypse. Here's what I'm jealous of. So Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are uh, our age. Phil Lord is exactly two days older than me, and Miller is a couple months younger than me. They were both born 75 like us. So uh, here's my two degrees of separation. When I don't know if it was both of them or one of them, they met at Dartmouth College. And when they were freshmen at Dartmouth, their senior like new student group advisor, you know, a lot of college, you went to a bullshit college, but a lot of colleges, including mine, you get there and you have a new student orientation group. And there's like a junior or senior who's like, your kind of like guides your group. I guided a group when I was a junior or whatever. Anyway, the, the group, at least one of these guys was in the, the advisor, or whatever was my sister. She was a senior at Dartmouth at the time. So I remember when Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs came out, she went, oh, I knew that those guys at Dartmouth, one or both of them, I don't remember, were in my new student week group. So I am jealous that my sister, who inevitably was a mentor to me for much of my life, that, you know, she mentored these guys to far more success than she mentored me. So I guess I'm jealous of that. That's it. That's that's all I can come up with for this question. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can get, I can get to know jealousy, but from <laughs> a different lane, I'll say that um, if I hadn't spent actually if i hadn't spent this week by coincidence watching some of the finest japanese animation from 1984 to 2000 because i've actually been preparing for a uh, episode of wrong reel on on a uh, very sp- a, a specific 1987 movie one of my favorite animations uh, ever you know if i hadn't done that like being been you know filling my eyes with beautiful animation exactly the way i remember it to have been even though i've never seen some of it before and the way i prefer it to be now I, I might feel left out of this just because, again, this this is such a big event. I, I'm seeing people our age mention it. They're watching with their kids. Maybe they're not watching with their kids. Maybe they don't have kids. Maybe they're just watching it and saying, oh, everyone, this seems Maybe like they a, hate kids, you know? Maybe they even hate kids. But this is like a pan-cultural thing that people are really into right now. And, you know, I, I there's, some of these things happen, and I'm out of them. Uh, but because this is a cartoon movie, you know, uh, I, I could see being left out. But the thing is, it's like I have a nice warm bed made specifically for me by anime from Japan. And it's loaded with violent sex and sexy violence. So there's no way that I could possibly feel left out of this just because there's so much good stuff for me. And I've, I've found my home. I've found my, my cell-shaded animation home. Wow. Uh, you know, that's just, it's, a great, it's a great place to be, Noah, I'm telling you. All right, so. All right, good. Th- so go- this, this was a topic that fed your soul. 
something like good that. things for Bill Scurry on a deep level, then, and, then I'm very happy for you. And more people should ask themselves on a daily basis, what can I do on a deep level for yes. Bill Scurry? Yes. What? How does it help Bill Scurry? How does Scurry it help Bill Scurry? How does it further his, um, his, aims, I remember, his evil aims? No, I'm not going to bring that so, up. All right, Noah, tell me. Anyway. Uh, now we're going to pivot over to the Scalopian scale. Jimmy Scallop, Scalop- our favorite. The Skeletonian, the Skeletonian scale. Skeletonian scale. Uh, the guy from uh, Eternia who wants to conquer uh, He-Man. He wants to beat <laughs> He-Man. He wants uh, to conquer Castle Grayskull. He wants to conquer, right, conquer Castle Grayskull. By the way, I thought, I thought, I first I thought his name was Skeletorus. Okay. I think I got that from an ad or something. So Skeletorus versus He-Man. Do you want to, do you want to know what's really sad? What's I'm, what? I'm almost 46 and I've never found a woman Skeletorus to this point. So anyway, tell me where on the X, Y, Z axis of things on the Jimmy Scallop scale, where would you, where would you oh, say this falls? Jesus. What planet are we on? Uh, all right. So here's the formula I came up with. Looking at our old topics and where does this relate to our old topics? This is Steven Universe, another cartoon we looked at, times Mr. Beast. Hmm. Okay. That? Yeah, there's a bit of a, um, I, 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 a, a titration yeah. there. Yes, there's something. Well, you know what? You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Steven Universe, a cartoon that I thought was very well done, but not for me. Yes. Times Mr. Beast, something I thought was high effort, but I don't know why I said Mr. Beast. Plus Eric Andre, because he's actually in it. He's actually in it. That's true. Yeah, that is true. So let's say that. Steven Universe times Mr. Beast plus Eric Andre. Feed that into the Scalopian computer and see where it appears on the giant map. Yeah, hang on. One one huge wall in... uh, I don't get it. Headquarters. I'm in the long card catalog. I did, I'm, I'm pulling out the punch cards, looking for the right ones to put right. to feed it to the machine at the moment. Right. But uh, I D G I H Q. Yeah. Yeah. H Q. Uh, I don't actually have calculus, but I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, it, it's obvious that this is. Um, look, in terms of craft, this is the blockbuster. So I mean, it's 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 got to be near the top. I'm not just saying in terms of like heat on it. This, this really is well done. I mean. We don't yeah. get to talk about things that are this well done that often. That that you know, I mean, uh, to, yeah, to, no, that's true. Yeah, I mean, but it's like I could, I'm, I mean, I'm splitting hairs when I'm, when I'm, you know, if I'm running it down or if I'm criticizing it, it's because those are things that I don't like, not because they're not great. It winds up being taste things, you know. And this is the be- This is the beautiful part of this. I can actually feel the affection that the directors and the producers have, yeah. personally for the characters and the stakes, you know. Which, yeah. which, it, there's so much. This, this, this is this is good art. It's good let's, art. Let's yeah. not split hairs here. This is it's good, good art. art. I mean, you right. In order to do something like this, the amount of uh, attention and 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 you know time that it takes, dedication, yeah. the budget for, for for all its flaws, yeah. we are nitpicking. Yeah, here. right. I, that, I think that's safe to say. So I don't have any calculus, but I would certainly put it up near the top. You know, I I don't think I like again. This is you know I mentioned Japanese animation, and this this doesn't like eclipse something like Death Note to me because thematically Death Note had more things that I vibed with. But I mean, this is as good as other art we've come up with. I mean, it's it's just you know it's creeping past like the Fiona Apa album, and that like I recognize that that was that was something really well done, but I couldn't listen to it. And it wasn't for me, but it, it, honestly, it doesn't yeah. matter. But so long as you recognize the craft. But I think this is better. Even yeah. this is even better than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, Fiona. I was about to say Fiona Apple didn't have as much of a sense of humor, but it certainly had a sense of humor. This is just so much more alive than that. I mean, there's just yeah. I mean, I feel bad because I feel like I was shitting on it a little, and that weird family thing, you know, touches a nerve with me. But yeah, these are nitpicks. It's it's well done. I mean, you know, I, I I'd be curious someone who hated it why they hated it. 
Yeah, and those are very uh, those people are far yeah. few between. To be honest, there really aren't a lot of them. I, yeah, or or their opinions are worthless. These are the same morons on the internet. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. whatever. There are a lot of them out there. Yeah. Arm, Armand White. I don't know somebody. Anyway, so. Um, if you guys would like to find past episodes of this program that you're listening to, uh, we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on SoundCloud. We are also on Google Play. Believe it or not, we are also on Stitcher. I don't know if anybody listens to the thing on Stitcher, but we are there. Uh, tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Give us a review on any fine service because that optimizes uh, retrieval and uh, people finding us in the future. It's very helpful to us. I am on Twitter, at William Scurry, posting GIFs of movies and making wry comments about them. Also, Noah, you know, I've, I've gotten to this thing recently. What I'm doing is um, I'm finding instances of a whiskey bottle label, a very specific brand of whiskey, and I'm putting them up on Twitter. I've kind of become the guy who's doing this now. It's this this uh, Scotch whiskey called J&B, very photographic label, and it was used in the 70s in, in Italian movies, like horror movies and crime movies. Um, so business has been good for me, Noah. Business has been very good in terms of uh, whoa, posting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You yeah. are spending time tweeting whiskey labels. Yeah, yeah. In the footage of the movie, I will make a little gif out of it if the, if the label appears, yes. Dude, you really need to get a life. Next, next pandemic. Next pandemic, I'll get a life. For the, for, the, for the moment, we're doing this. I'll have all this free time in the pandemic. I remember at first, I'm like, I'm going to start a jigsaw puzzle because I'll be home for a week. <laughs> so, Noah, yeah. t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Where can we find you? I'm out and about here, there, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, my company, The Big Quiz Thing. Learn more at bigquizthing.com. We produce corporate and private trivia events nationwide, worldwide, these days, virtually. Um, and uh, it's happening, folks, this summer in person again. That's We're true. working on yeah, it. Plans are true. coming together. It will happen. It is happening. So, uh, you know, in the foreseeable future, you'll be able to get us virtually and in person. You'll be able to get a hybrid of virtual and in person. If it's trivia events you crave, it's trivia events we deliver. Bigquizthing.com. Thank you. Well, until next week's scintillating topic, everybody. We We don't don't get get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2021.